Hey, friends, just a quick reminder. If you enjoy our content and don't want to commit to a Patreon tier, you can show your love in other ways. Oh, yeah. Of course, you can take advantage of our merchandise store at TeePublic, where we've got cool designs from all across the Red 5 network. Look for sale announcements and save up to 30 to 35% on all our merchandise. Oh, nice. And there's also a very convenient way to help support the channel. As you know, coffee is our friend. It keeps us going. You can show your appreciation by heading over to buymeacoffee.com slash Scarif. Buymeacoffee.com slash Scarif. Any amount starting at five bucks, a one-time treat for us to help with all the stuff it takes to maintain the quality you deserve. And remember, it's always sunny on Scarif. And that's the Scuttlebutt. And pass the cream, please. This podcast is a member of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts and content creators, visit bio.link slash red5. Hey, Scuttlebutt Nation, your friendly neighborhood row here. This week, we have a great topic submitted by our friend Dave from What Does Star Wars Mean to You? Please look him up. I just finished recording this before we hunkered down, make a pizza, and watch the latest Ahsoka episode tonight. Dave and I were kind of warming up to the topic, but when you get two Star Wars nerds together, especially two that collect, well... The conversation can get a bit long-winded, as we collectors always have something to say. As soon as I hit that record button, we were already talking about our collections, our trips to Target, and enjoying the hunt. So I'm keeping that in here so you can see how our minds work. Big thanks for downloading this episode. If you like what you hear, please tell a friend or consider giving us a review on your favorite podcast app as it helps the podcast to grow. All right, so our topic tonight is fan expectations. But first, please enjoy our warm-up conversation here on the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast, already in progress. How you doing, my friend? I'm well. How are you doing? Great. Just got back from Tarjay. Nice. Did you get anything? Yeah, yeah, I got some. It's it's always fun when the wife lets me go on the errand because then I can get stuff that, you know, that she usually doesn't get. <laughs> you spend way too much time in the toy aisle. I do the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> There's that meme where that guy's like, "What are you talking about? I'm not. I'm just here. I'm just sitting here." <laughs> yeah. How did I end up here? Yeah. Hilarious. I um I literally. Just before coming down, got my um, Cad Banes. Have oh, opening. very nice. Very Cad Banes. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's weird. I uh, Well, you just caught me. I did go to the toy aisle when I was uh, at Target, but uh, I didn't I didn't see a lot of stuff. I did notice that they re-released Ray's lightsaber. And called it Luke's lightsaber. Really? Uh, yeah. So that was kind of interesting. I know a lot of people were like, that's not Ray's lightsaber. Damn it. It's a woman. Give it back <laughs> to the dude. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that 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 sort of uh, argument. But I did notice that they they had it's a, it's in the same packaging, except for now it's Luke Skywalker and it says Luke's lightsaber. So I found that interesting. But a lot of toys yeah. aren't selling to begin with. So. 
No, they're not selling. And I, I really have noticed that um, last time I was in the toy aisle, um, that it's geared towards collectors, not kids. You know, it's yeah. And you know what? I've in my Target. There's two areas. There's two toy areas. There's one with it's got like all this, the regular stuff that you would find at a in a toy aisle, and then they've got like the higher priced items somewhere else. Yes, yes, yes. Usually by the electronics. Yeah, yeah. You've got um, you've got some of the more pricey action figures there. Um, some some horror stuff. Some bigger uh, Funko Pops. So I found that, I found that interesting, but my aisle, all it had was, um, it had a couple of, uh, the Boba Fett action figures from the, the, the variant Boba Fett that looks like the comic book series, the old Marvel comic book. And I actually picked one up for a dollar because the guy thought that it was discontinued and he oh, and wow. the UPC was not in the in the system so yeah. he's looking at his phone and he goes oh this is discontinued let me just give it to you for a dollar but you can't return it cuz it's discontinued i'm like no that's okay <laughs> a buck a buck is a buck <laughs> that is a good deal yeah um but not now obviously it's in their system it's uh 22 bucks here in chicago yes. but yep. uh yeah i mean that was a uh, good timing on my part, but um, yeah, not a lot of uh, stuff there. A lot of Grogu's, a lot of Rivas and Lando Calrissians for some reason. Huh? Huh? I what I see here um, is a lot of. Let me think about this. I, I feel like a lot of Landos from Return of the Jedi fortieth, um, Gamorrean Guard, and that Boba Fett. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. A lot of, a uh, lot of the Jedi. Uh, what is the six-inch series called? The Black series, right? Um, and yeah, I, I just don't. We don't get a lot of the vintage collection. Yeah, and where you are again? Seattle. Okay. So I may be looking in the wrong targets, but could be. I mean, it's so all over the place. I mean, you know, and for me as a collector, I'd rather hunt. I don't like ordering yes. or pre-ordering. It's yep. just it's just no fun for me. Um, yeah. And then you know, nine times out of ten, you hear all these stories and you see them on Twitter, like you know the the their boxes come damaged and they open it up and they're squeezed. You know, it's a six inch figure squeezed into a two inch box. Yes. <laughs> and that's so that's crazy. I'm like, well, why even bother? But I like the hunt. If I don't get it, you know, I don't I don't get it, and that's it. I I really enjoy the hunt. Um, I uh, even beyond just buying it, I enjoy going to seek them out yeah. and seeing them in their native habitat, and then moving on. I'm a bird watcher of action figures, bro. That's yes, what I'm saying. <laughs> that's perfect. That <laughs> is perfect because you know it's it's funny, but because I, I I feel like you get more satisfaction when you find something in the wild and you're like, oh my god, yeah. this is so cool. Uh, I I need this Darth Vader, or I you know. I could use a 17th stormtrooper myself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I don't have one with the gold pad on his shoulder. <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, I, um, I love the hunt. It's uh, more satisfying to me. Yeah. It's far more. I, there's, I actually, I don't buy a lot of, a lot of toys anymore. So like Cad Bane, I was like, oh, I, I really want him. I'm, I know in 10, 15 years, I'm going to regret not buying it. So I'm just gonna, 
bite the bullet and buy it off of Amazon now. Sure. Yeah. And you know what, when they changed the packaging, I kind of stopped because I don't, you know, I, I keep the packaging and I like the yeah. windows. I like the plastic, yes. as you can see behind me, I've got all the, you know, the black series with the nice package in the box. And yeah. a lot of times I got to show you, I mean, hold on a second. Let me grab, you know, a lot of times the packaging is, is pretty artsy fartsy too. I mean, I love yeah. Oh, that's a good. I mean, how how could you throw out this 40th anniversary edition Empire Strikes Back probe droid box? You just can't. Yeah, no, you're an idiot if you do. <laughs> but it's, I, I, it's it's got this it's got information on the back and it's got a nice window. It's it's gorgeous. Yeah. And you know, I'm not I'm not. Here's the thing. It's really funny. As soon as I open a toy my interest in it just drops down. It's like that <laughs> tension between not opening it and having it is, is something that like, that I really love. I like, that's funny. What, why is that? Like what you open what, it? I, I think what happens is it, it, it's almost like checking off of something on your to-do list. It's done. It's yeah. in the past, right. and as soon as I open, uh, as soon as I open it and pull it out of the the box, I'll I'll, I'll just be like, okay, like here's the thing: you, you see all these figures I have on display here, right? And then I'll show you. Well, what did I just pull down? I don't know. Dave just walked away, and I'm admiring his uh, his Hamilton collection plate. I think I've got the same <laughs> one back here. Yeah, isn't that uh, – I got it from TV Guide back in, like, the 90s. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've I, – so, um, go ahead. Oh, yeah. So here are my open figures, and okay. it's just like – it's just a box of figures I don't do anything with. Yeah, yeah. It's like you went into my closet, Dave, because I got the same, <laughs> the same Tupperware. But absolutely. I mean, you know, you buy them, you put them, you know, and, and obviously when, when we were all younger, I mean, everybody's got the same stories. We used to buy two, one to keep in the box and one yep, to open yep. and touch and feel and play with or whatever. Um, you know, obviously when, when we got mortgages, that, that behavior kind of had to stop, but <laughs> yeah. um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, I I bought two things that I still have both of them in the packaging. It's like I, I got that. I don't know if it was an Amazon special or some other special. There was this trooper special. It's like six troopers from oh, yeah. uh, the sequel trilogy. And I got the, I got two of those. One so I could open. Never opened it. Wow. I, I, I just like I almost I like go to undo the tape and I'm like, mm, no, I can't do it. <laughs> can't do it. That's too funny. Um yeah, that's great. I mean, it's it's awesome talking to other collector, collectors because, you know, we all have the same kind of stories, the same yeah. MO, um, <laughs> and obviously the same stuff. Um, I see my Burger King glasses behind you. I've got. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I mentioned the Hamilton collection. Um, I have really so fun. many plates and I wish uh, I wish I had more wall space. I keep telling Andy from the Hell Chronicles uh, podcast, I just wish I had more wall space. I mean, I've got them spread out in three locations. Uh, you know, I think we can open up our own uh, museum here in Chicago. Uh, yeah, right. But um, yeah, it's it's wonderful stuff. Wonderful stuff. It's great. I, I love it because... Um, like each piece kind of means something to me and I, and there's a story yeah. behind each one. 
you know, I equate it to the ornaments of a Christmas tree. Sure. As you pull them out and put them up, you tell the story of each one. And, and that's what I do with my Star Wars figures to my dogs. I, my, I just have them sit there and I'm like, this one I got in a Target. I had to beat a nine-year-old child for it, but I got it. But I got it. Yeah, absolutely. Get away from me, you kid. <laughs> yeah. What do you want for? <laughs> That's too funny. You're do with this. So I, I can't remember if I asked you this one the last time you were on Scarif Podcast. Because um, I know I mentioned when you had asked me about my collectibles. Did I did I ask you, do, did I reciprocate the question? What uh, collectible would you be buried with? Like, oh. what's that? What is that one collectible that you're like, oh, I'm going to. I'm going to rest in peace with my R2-D2. Or which one would wow. it be? That's a good That's a good question. I'm not 100% sure. I feel like... Because hmm. obviously, you know, you mentioned that every piece means something to us as collectors. You know, we have, yes. you know, stories of the hunt or stories, you know, somebody that was with you during the hunt or some time in your life. And I think... Um, I think that that means a lot to a lot of, of us collectors. It does. It it does mean a lot to, you know, there's one and it's not Star Wars, though. Um, I have a signed Heinz Ward football. I'm a big Steelers fan. Okay. And I have it. But I don't know if that'd be I'd have to go with. Oh, I put it up here. This is just uh, Han Solo from Return of the Jedi, an sure. indoor outfit. Um, and it just, uh, this, after talking about um, how we, you know, each one is kind of a story unto itself, I have no memory of buying this. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely none. And I came across it when I moved and I was like, oh my God, I have this on <laughs> solo. And, um, and, and I don't know how. Is, and I don't know how. But the thing is, this has always been one of my favorite. I mean, Han Solo was always one of my favorite in the indoor outfit. Um, I think if I had the best bin outfit, that would be uh, like the one. Nice, nice. Yeah, it is funny. You know, sometimes you grab stuff and um, and then you, like you said, you just like put it away, put it on a shelf. And then you realize, wait a minute, I, I already have that. I mean, I've done that yeah. obviously with Stormtroopers. I'm like, oh, my God, this is an awesome looking Stormtrooper. I'll grab it and then I'll put it on the shelf next to the other one that I didn't know I had. <laughs> So yeah. it's just it's uh it's too funny. But yeah, that's uh that's nice. That's nice. Yeah. So um yeah, we we've been talking uh we've been rolling already uh talking about collectibles and and um Star Wars items. Um but it's always uh it's always funny getting together with other people that collect because uh we can probably uh you know go for for some time on some of the collectibles that we've uh, collected. Getting to the main topic, you had suggested uh, a really great topic, and I like um, I like conversing with you, Dave, because we, we we tend to you know have fun, obviously, but we tend to pull out some really good um, nuggets when it comes to deep dives. Um, so why don't we start? 
And uh, why don't you set the stage for for the main topic? What uh, what was it that you suggested? Yeah, it's um, it's about expectations, setting your expectations, and how your expectations affect your your viewing of something for the first time. I have found for myself that in, in, in my show, What Does Star Wars Mean to You?, I'm always asking um, how people's expectations for something coming up in the Star Wars universe affects how they view it. Because one of the things with Star Wars, and I think this is true of any kind of geek-tacular property, is that fans theorize and um, pull apart every trailer, every ounce of marketing to get any kind of a sense of what is going to happen, who the characters are, and how they may be related. And I have found, I did that with, I think, Last Jedi, I talk about a lot, and it really affected my viewing of the of the movie because I was kind of expecting these different things to happen, and then when they didn't happen, I was disappointed and I had to separate that from uh, what I actually thought of the movie. And, and so I wanted to do a thing where it's, I, I call it uh, great expectations, low expectations, no expectations. Sure. And we just kind of ask each other questions of like, what do we expect out of things? Um, or, or we, as well as talk about, um, the effect of expectations, affectation, expectation. Right there, you go, perfect. And uh, I didn't expect your phone to ring. So no, <laughs> not either. <laughs> I can't but, believe I did. I didn't put it on. Uh, uh, do not disturb. But um, yeah, I mean, it's a great topic. I mean, we we started talking about collectibles. I, did, I wanted to give uh, uh, the folks a chance to to uh, to to in, you know, I I failed to introduce you. Um, <laughs> just got into the, the 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 talk about collectibles. Well, why don't you tell uh, people what your channel is and what you have uh, what you've been doing? I know uh, you interviewed me uh, originally uh, talking about uh, duh, Star Wars and what it means to me. Of but uh, why don't you tell people the your channel and uh and where you so, can be yeah. find so it's um it's called what does star wars mean to you and it's a show where i tried to take the hate out of the debate on star wars by focusing on one uh person's point of view and any given day that's my guest's point of view um and i kind of do a deep dive into their um fandom what they, how they came upon Star Wars, what they love about Star Wars, and how it's impacted their life. And uh, one of the things I try to do is, like I said, I want to take the hate out of the debate. I'm just trying to uh, get a good conversation going um, about a franchise we all love. Awesome, awesome, sounds great. And uh, you know, I, I said I love talking to other uh, collectible, uh, other collectors, yep. other Star Wars fans. And uh, you know, when you do strip away that animosity, uh, you know, it all comes down to you know we love the same thing. Yes, it's uh, it's kind of uh, yes. it's kind of strange if you know and, what I mean. And when you um, take away that animosity, you also start seeing things. Not necessarily that you like about something. Like, I know I'm never going to convince you that uh, The Last Jedi is a great movie. <laughs> but you can kind of openly see, 
oh, I get why you're passionate about this. This makes sense to me now, as opposed right. to just getting hung up on, oh, why do you think Luke should have been a hermit? That's ridiculous. Right, right. Yeah, it's uh, and you know the cool thing about debating and discussing is like, like you said. I mean, it's like I really don't think that people go about it the right way. Sometimes, you know, it's not where our job is not to change your mind into thinking like me. It's opening up my mind to see what you think, and yes. you know, you can you can relate to it or not, or you can. Um, you know, accept that opinion as that person's opinion and, and, and not necessarily, you know, um, make it seem like, you know, people are out there to, to brainwash you or change your, your own opinion. I mean, if it changes, okay, you know, that's, that's natural. But, um, I think sometimes we, you know, we, um, we got a little bent out of shape because, uh, you know, we hear other people's opinions and we feel like, you know, well, it's not my opinion. I'm like, I'm not asking you the, to change your opinion. I'm just telling you mine. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. It's good stuff, man. Yeah, thank you. It, and it's really fun. I, I love the people I'm meeting. I, you know, it was great talking to you and getting to know Scarif Podcast, uh, getting to know uh, the people in kind of your Star Wars orbit. Um and you just it's just really fun to talk star wars at the end of the day that's what like yeah. i always kind of approach each interview i'm always excited about each interview but let's face it i'm an introvert and i'd rather be doing nothing <laughs> and so like i i'm always a little like oh boy i, I don't know if i can do this today and then like Five minutes into the conversation, I'm 100% there and I'm loving it. Yeah. So it's just fun. It's awesome. I mean, I you know, a lot of us that have microphones in our faces, I mean, kind of do this <laughs> as, as therapy, I guess, uh, in one yeah. way or another. But, uh, you know, talking to, like I said, just talking to other fans is, is really great. So expectations. You know, it's funny because I see a lot of people discuss this topic. I see a lot of people kind of almost scold other fans for having expectations. And I personally feel that that's the wrong uh, road to take. Obviously, if you go into a McDonald's expecting a, you know, a, a, a five-star steak, um, you're going to be disappointed. Um, yeah. You know, you go into a, uh, a Yugo dealership uh, trying to find <laughs> a Cadillac, you're going to be disappointed. But I think as fans of any franchise or of anything, um, you know, we all have expectations and it's natural. We want to be able to maybe see uh, something that maybe we thought of on the big screen when it comes to movies. Um, yeah. And you're absolutely right. You know, we, um, and I think it, it might be kind of a, a new thing where we take uh, trailers and examine them frame by frame and sometimes pixel by pixel, um, yes. you know, zooming in to screenshots and, and comparing things, you know, uh, you know, back and forth. Um, we are hungry for that narrative. We are hungry to, I don't know if it's, we're hungry to be right when it comes to theorizing or we're just hungry for, for really great stories. I want to ask you this because I, I, I just said, you know, we're, we're hungry to be right. Um, yeah. How much of that plays into expectations, especially when people get um, upset that it didn't come true? What do you think? Uh, I think it actually plays 
into it a lot. When you brought up the um, you want to be right, I immediately thought of on inter internet boards, like back in the 2000s, right, right. the big thing when uh, during the uh, comments in a blog was to be first. And there was nothing else. It was just first. And that was the king of the hill of that comment board for the day. So I do think it it is a desire to be right. Um, I think it's a – and that can come out of a place of good. It's not uh, a place of – it's not a sin, I don't sure. think. Yeah. Um, but it uh, – I do think it comes out of a place of wanting to be right to sh- – to kind of be, um, to, to put it in a kind of a terrible way that I'll regret, king nerd of <laughs> the herd. There's you know, no, it's like, no, no issues being wanting to be king nerds. I mean, <laughs> no. we're, we're king nerds in our own little kingdom, so that's fine. Oh, 100%. <laughs> um, but if someone else said that to me, I'd be like, oh, why I ought to. <laughs> Um, wear, wear it on your wear it on your sleeve as a badge of <laughs> <yes>. honor. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but I do, and and I do think it affects uh, your your viewing of uh, the content because you kind of, you're invested in being right, but you're also invested in this thing, whether it's MCU, Star Trek, Star Wars, Harry Potter. Um, so when you become there's a kind of a I think a divergence there where it's like what it what is going to appease you? Is it just going to be the content or is it going to be right about the content? And I feel like we're I I feel like social media really plays a part in trying to get us to be right more than enjoy the content. Because being right or or Interacting in that way is proactive and interacting with like just going, oh, wow, I, I really like the flash. I didn't think I'd like it. And it turned out to be awesome is reactive. And so it's after the fact. And it may not be as interesting of a hot take like August 25th when the flash came out on June 16th. <laughs> um, but uh, therefore, I think people just drive to be right. I, I feel like this is dystopia night on the Scare podcast, and I apologize for that. <laughs> no, not at all. I, you know, I, I think um, I'm going to ask you a follow-up question, but, you know, it, yeah. it's something definitely uh, something to think about because, you know, I, I mentioned early on, you know, we've we've all have these microphones and cameras in front of our face and do these shows. Um, it's almost like everyone is fighting for supremacy, fighting to be yep. right uh, fighting to be first. And, you know, in, in the news business, we do have that, uh, we used to have that, that propensity to, you know, make sure that you're, you're out there telling the news, you know, breaking the story as it were. Um, but you know, a lot of times, obviously, you know, especially in the news business, that could be, uh, that could be dangerous because you can get some details wrong. But, Mm -hmm. um, I think you're right when you mentioned the fact that, uh, we are, we're losing the ability just to kind of, you know, sit back and, and enjoy the thing that we are, uh, you know, absorbing. Um, yeah. yeah. What we're after to enjoy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, 
you know, it, it's funny, you know, what, two weeks ago uh, or three weeks ago before the uh, Ahsoka series came out, I mean, everybody was already down each other's throats about it's going to be bad and uh, yeah. you're, you're an idiot for liking, you know, like or looking forward to the show and et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, dude, relax, man. Um, <laughs> but it's it's. Yeah, I don't know. You know, expectations, you know, again, it's it's normal, but I think when it becomes when it comes out of when it gets to to a point where it's out of control, that is the point where you kind of have to check yourself. And a lot of people yes. I feel don't have that ability to check themselves. You can you can expect something to happen. You can have these expectations because again, it's normal. Um, we used to talk about, you know, movies, you know, either before we saw them or after we saw them at recess in the schoolyard. Um, but, you know, the ability really to separate our wants with reality, I think, is is where people have an issue with with that demarcation, that line that separates, you know, going nuts after somebody or just saying, oh, you know, my theory didn't pan out, but I still enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. And and it sounds like there's uh, – in what you were saying, it almost brings up two layers to it. One is the expectations, which is like the theorizing and stuff. And the next level is kind of the outright hate before it has even premiered, which is kind of also – that's a great negative expectation, I would guess. Is like, oh no, this is gonna suck. <laughs> and but but my point being is like, we have ratcheted up from f- expectations to theories to just outright uh, hating on something before it even premieres, and it is a weird place to be. And it makes you wonder what is the next step. Yeah. And and again, I think, you know, social media really has uh, exacerbated the the ability to become a an expert in our field. And yes. when when we theorize in public, when we have expectations in public about a certain movie or project, we um, again, I think I think deep down we want to be right because we want to be that expert. We want to be able to. Uh, tell yeah. everybody, hey, you know, I told you three weeks ago when this movie dropped that this was going to happen, and it did. Um, so you know, pat yourself on the back. Um, but it's it's interesting too because um, even professionally, I don't think critics were were like that. I think social media really just kind of added all this uh, BS to the mix. Um, and obviously, you know, professional critics are professional critics for a reason. Uh, I think the 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 um, the couch critic really doesn't have the formal training to critique something in a way that is constructive, other than saying, "Yeah, it, it sucked." Um, yeah. And and I think you know, I think obviously the democratization of of being a uh, internet sensation slash influencer has really um, gotten to a lot of people's uh, heads. Um, you know. Yes. nobody nobody has multi-million dollar contracts to be able to do all this stuff we do this for fun um but it is you know from my perspective i mean it is fun to kind of you know have expectations and discuss them with your friends in this community but when it gets out of control it's like 
something's going on there. Yeah, absolutely. And it feels like, I guess my big fear or concern is I I noticed with myself that I would have to see a movie twice before I kind of got what was being said. And I would, um, and for a while, it was like every movie I saw was like, nah, I didn't like it. And, it, and I started thinking, do I just not like movies anymore? <laughs> and, and um, you know, it, slowly I realized that I was investing too much in, I guess, in being right. I was investing too much into um, wanting to have called the shots more than I was investing in just enjoying the time with the with the movie. Uh, let yeah. me ask you th- this though: Was there one like movie or or something TV show that you knew what was coming just from the ads and were like, "Oh, this is what it is," and you were right? Um, that's a good question. You know, because I I always say publicly that uh, a lot of trailers nowadays shows you everything and yeah it's almost like you know why even why even go get a ticket to see this movie because i just saw it in two and a half minutes here um <laughs> i think you know a, a lot of movies have done that i think um you know i, I especially you know a lot of times it's it's a, a marvel movie um maybe uh, i'll yeah. see a trailer you know with all the trailers you know you've got the the exclusive nfl trailer you got the yep. internet trailer and then you know you're able to piece a lot of things together a lot of story points from all these trailers and you realize oh all right well she's dead <laughs> <You Yeah. know? laughs> um so i mean i can't think of one specifically but i think um Oh, actually, I think uh, the second Shazam movie, they showed a lot. And I'm like, well, I think I just saw the whole movie. Um, they they showed uh, the introduction of these new characters. They even was was that the movie where at the end they had Wonder Woman or no, I think it was the Flash, the Flash, the, yes. the later um, trailers of the Flash showed Wonder Woman. And that's another thing, too. It's like, geez, can can you save like one or two surprises for us sitting in the movie theater? I mean, that would have been fantastic. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it, it's it's really bad when they show everything. I mean, you know, you you you're you're trying to have fun at the movie theater, but you already know what's what's coming. It's uh, it, it doesn't yeah. make it fun. No, I just recently uh, when Barbie came out, I I was like the last one in my family to see it. And um, the thing with, like, when you're hanging out with family who aren't uh, uh, into geek culture, I'll phrase it that way, they don't know what I haven't seen it, don't spoil anything for me, means. Because it'll literally be like, hey, I haven't seen it, don't spoil anything. Well, they go into the real world, and then Will Ferrell's the head of uh, Mattel. And by the way, guys, spoilers for Barbie if you haven't seen it yet. And, <laughs> and Ken is actually learns how to be toxic, and he brings that back to Barbie Lane. All this stuff I had no idea happened in Barbie. <laughs> And I hope you haven't seen it yet because I just ruined it for you. I didn't. It's an amazing movie that if you know the plot, it's still even great. Um, 
and and I it was shocking to me how little I did know about it, like that they went into the real world and all that stuff. And until I saw it, I was a little disappointed because I was like, well, what what's going to surprise me? And quite frankly, it was the performances, the script, the directing, all that stuff that really surprised me. It wasn't the uh, the plot points. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's too funny. Um, I wanted to take a quick break because uh, we've got a Century Mode segment, uh, the uh, Star Wars prequel edition um, questions. I've had a, I had a Q&A and uh, I reached out to Crystal Kyber and um, she's going to uh, answer a couple of questions. But uh, when we come back, we're going to keep talking about expectations. And uh, I wanted to ask you a question regarding because, you you know, you, you said that you were going to try to change my mind about The Last Jedi. I don't think it's going to work. <laughs> but I, but I, I've got a quick question for you about that. Um, OK, we'll, we'll be right back after Sentry Mode. Sentry Mode. This is Sentry Mode. Okay, folks, we're going to take a little break from the discussion with Dave and go into our sentry mode. As I mentioned, we have a special guest, five questions, uh, and this is a prequel trilogy edition. Um, I was able to uh, gather some questions, and uh, if you're into the prequel trilogy, please play along with us. And uh, my special guest is Crystal Kyber. How did you get that name? I'm just kidding. How how are you today? (laughs) I'm doing well, and how are you? Fantastic. Thank you for uh, making the time to join us on the Scarif podcast here, the Sentry Mode questionnaire. This is this should be a lot of fun. I'm really excited. Thank you for having me. No problem. All right. So we have five questions. They're all prequel trilogy related, because I did ask you, you know, which era of Star Wars was your favorite? You did mention the prequel trilogy. So kudos to you for that. Um, But are you ready? Did you first of all, did you study? Did you brush up on your prequels? No, I got this. (laughs) Excellent. All right. That's what (laughs) that's what I like. I like that confidence. All right. Question number one. Alfred Hitchcock made many cameos in his own films, including his 1944 movie Lifeboat, where he appears in a newspaper ad that the man lost at sea on this lifeboat opens up. George Lucas made a cameo in one of his prequel trilogy films. Name the film and the character he played. Um, I don't know the name of the character. I do know that he was a senator and he walks by the camera briefly. Um, I believe it was uh, episode two, Attack of the Clones. He's like that blue alien. That is correct. His name was Baron Papanoida. Got it. (laughs) Make a note there, Crystal. Yes, I definitely am. (laughs) How did I not know that? I don't know. I don't know. You must have slept through that part. Right. All right. Question number two. Finish Queen Amidala's quote. I will not condone a course of action that will. 
Uh, oh my goodness, I don't know. Lead you okay. down a dark path or lead you down a path I can't follow. You, uh, you should actually, let's see if you can repeat it, but in your head, repeat it as Queen Amidala. And uh, it, it should be able to kind of flow off your, off your tongue. I will not condone a course of action that will... Oh man, I really don't know this one. I'm terrible at trivia. <laughs> I know you didn't mention that, but I, I, I'm trying to I'm trying to throw you some softballs here. I know. Oh my goodness. I mean, you had the right idea, but if you How remember, but if you remember, you know, she it's it's actually one of the first lines that we hear during one of the very early uh, teaser trailers when she uh, is sitting, uh, you know, on her throne and on her chair. I will not condone a course of action that will lead us to war. Oh, dang. Yeah. I feel like um, the title of this is going to be Crystal Kyber, fake fan. <laughs> God, too funny, too funny. <laughs> Okay, next. Let's go. Okay, Let's next question. Come on. We got it. You, you got to redeem yourself. Star Wars is about redemption, so we got this. Right? Yes. All right. What did Anakin Skywalker call Padme when he first met her? She asked her. He asked her if she was an angel. Oh, so romantic. I so love romantic. it. romantic. Oh. Wonderful. Yep, that is correct. She says, are you an, he says, are you an angel? <laughs> what a charmer. Yeah, she is, so. <laughs> Excellent. All right, question number four. Which character made an intergalactic cameo without having to phone home in the Senate in episode one, The Phantom Menace? It was the E.T. species. There you go. E.T. phones home at the Phantom like, Menace. I feel like you handed me that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. All right. The last question on uh, Sentry Mode. And it uh, looks like we're having fun. So here we go. Let's uh, Let's go. This one might be a little on the difficult side. I kind of like spread them uh, around levels of difficulty, but uh, you know, um, I'm not going to say you're a fake fan. If you don't know this one, I will, oh I will give you credit. I'll give you some credit if you don't, even if you give me a couple of guesses, but uh, here we go. All right. Question number five on sentry mode. What was the name given to the group of Jedi who left the Jedi Order due to difference of opinion when it came to the Jedi Way? The librarian spoke to Obi-Wan about this group of Jedi. Um, oh my gosh. There this were, is a good one. <laughs> there were uh, statues, uh, busts of, of them in the Jedi Temple archives, and I'll give you hmm. I'll give you a hint. There were twenty of them. Hmm. Were they? Uh, I don't know. I would just be making something up at this point, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they were called the Lost Twenty. And, the Lost uh, Twenty. And Count Dooku was one of them. Hmm. Love it. Wow. Yeah. Excellent. Well, <laughs> Crystal, I hope you learned something. I did. Today on Sentry Mode, and uh, I hope you had fun, most of all. 
it was a great time. I loved it. Excellent. So I want to give uh, an opportunity to you to tell people where people can find you. I know uh, I, I mentioned um, uh, earlier, I guess, in the in the podcast when we were doing the break, I, I mentioned that uh, you love Grogu on your channel. But tell the, tell the folks, <laughs> tell the folks where people can find you. You can find me on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. Just type Crystal Kyber. Um, I do love Grogu, and I love doing makeup and talking about Star Wars. So thank you so much for having me. Come back anytime, uh, but this time maybe maybe do a little studying. But I... I, I... <laughs> Dang! <laughs> Again, I, I hope you had fun, and thank you so much, Crystal, for uh, joining us on this edition of Century Mode. Thank you. This is Century Mode. We have an incoming transmission from the Scarif Scuttlebutt Hotline, Commander, and we can't withstand a voicemail of this magnitude! Howdy, Ro. It's RFB. See, Scarif's recording tonight about expectations and how they do or don't affect fans' experiences of watching not just Star Wars. I know it pertains to pretty much anything. But I got a few thoughts that over my years and years and years, you know, I'm a longtime podcast listener. Um, I've heard many different things over the years. And this kind of stuff's quite often on my mind every now and again, as I've been listening to the point where I came home and I thought about it long enough. I even started to work. I went and wrote them down. Because there's quite a few different things, in my opinion, that are all related to expectations. Um, a few of them that I got when I hear someone say, after having seen a Star Wars something, that, well, that right there had a missed opportunity. That, in my opinion, is pure expectation. Because the story belongs to the storyteller, not us. Or I didn't mind when they did, that there makes it sound like Someone has an ownership over it. No, it belongs to the storyteller. Or when things weren't this thing or this character or what they did wasn't necessary. Really? Because the storyteller sure seemed to think it was necessary. Or this one gives me a chuckle every now and again is, oh, that was predictable. Well, no one heard you make the prediction before you went and seen it. So is it really predictable? And the last thing that I got that I hear every now and again is this is usually when folks are making predictions or speculations before something new we get told or shown is I'm okay if they go and do this or this character goes and does that and you can be okay with it all you want, but they don't need our permission. So that's my, what I got for my thoughts and opinions on expectations most of that, I try to, I have done my dead level best over years to stay as far away from speaking in that way, in any kind of way to any of that kind of stuff. So looking forward to what all you round up 
and when it drops in my playlist, because I would love to hear it. So till then, may the force be with you. See you on the radio. Big thanks to Rural Farm Boy for that voicemail. And yes, absolutely. It's not our story, but we get to enjoy it. Thank you so much, Anthony. All right. I want to thank our special guest, Crystal Kyber, for answering some questions on Sentry Mode, this edition of Sentry Mode. And uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, Check out her channel. She does a lot of cool stuff. She loves Grogu, man. She's got a lot of Grogu love (laughs) on her channel. So if you love Grogu, head on over there. But um, we are back with Dave from What Does Star Wars Mean to You? And uh, we're talking about expectations. Um, When fans get together and theorize and then they go to the movie theater and then whatever it is that they theorize doesn't happen, we get a little pissy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We we get angry. We experience nerd rage. Nerd rage. Yeah. Um, But uh, before the break, you had uh, you had mentioned uh, watching movies twice um, and actually. I did the same thing for The Last Jedi. We're, we're, we're talking about The Last Jedi. Yeah. Um, you know, the first time I really, I left the theater just like, what is going on? Um, and like you said, you're like, like, well, did I, did I maybe not understand the message? Um, yeah. But it, it was so, it was weird because it was, it was such a personal message. And I think that's one of the biggest reasons that a lot of uh, people uh, who don't like The Last Jedi um, don't like The Last Jedi is that it, it really spoke to them as Star Wars fans for for whatever reason. And I can kind of see it and I see it. Um, they didn't take away the uh, the notion that, uh, you know, something happened to Luke Skywalker to make him the way he is. They, uh, you know, they kind of cut to the chase and and, um, you know, latched on the, you know, this is not my Luke Skywalker. This is not my Star Wars. I did watch it a second time. And I think I, um, I, I can't believe I'm going to say this. It, uh, it didn't affect me as bad the second time around. And maybe because, you know, I mean, if you get punched in the face the first time, it's going to hurt. By the second time, you're like, <laughs> you're already numb. So maybe that's kind of how I, how I experienced it. I don't know. Well, it's also a little bit you went with the punch instead of like yeah. again expectation. So your first expectation is to like kind of grit through that punch and and put your face right there. The second time you're like <laughs> I'm going to go with the fist this time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Last Jedi get your get uh, my Luke Skywalker's name off your lips. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, that that makes sense. That makes sense. But um, one thing I heard, um, Paul Shear had this great theory about uh, The Last Jedi. And he said that one of the things that had affected his viewing was that at the very top of it, when Poe was interacting with Hux on the, uh, I'll hold for Hux, I'm still holding for Hux, that it was kind of a humor that was outside of the Star Wars language. You know, it's a very MCU humor. Yes. It's a very kind of modern day action movie humor, but not necessarily what I would call Star Wars humor. And I, that kind of uh, throws you off a bit as a viewer. And therefore, the rest of the movie 
gets affected by that because that uh, setup of like, okay, here's some non kind of Star Wars humor um, affects your expectation of what the rest of the movie is going to be. And I just thought that was a really interesting observation that uh, instilling that opening scene with this kind of humor um, uh, uh, changed your focus for the rest of the movie. I would have to agree. Um, you know, I, I and I, yep. I've talked to um, I've talked at length uh, about that. You know, the the Marvel movies are, for the most part, they are they are very tongue in cheek. Um, mm-hmm. They are comic book based movies. You know, you've got uh, you know men and women in leotards running around, you know, snapping their fingers and disappearing. So it's it's very tongue in cheek, and I think that the humor in the MCU is is. Uh, is almost like a nudge, nudge, wink, wink. We know we know what's going on, but we want you to have fun. So these are our jokes. I think it's yeah. you know it's different in Star Wars, and I you know Star Wars, um, you know Star Wars has had humor, but it's not that nudge, nudge, wink, wink humor. It's more situational humor. Um, and then again, you know, I mean, the the original um, actors uh, for Star Wars, you know, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, Harrison Ford. I mean, it, they were they were great actors for the time. I mean, uh, you know, Harrison Ford delivering, uh, you know, laugh it up fuzzball is a lot different, um, <laughs> I guess, from uh, I don't know, from from my perspective, than you know, holding for your mom. It's I don't yeah. know it's 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 a different type of humor and I think it, it's it's definitely a different type of humor which you know which you're right you know that that kind of set the stage for me you know from the lightsaber thrown across your your you know your over your shoulder um, that kind of set the stage for the rest of like it does throw you out at the beginning it's like yeah. wait a minute what's what's going on here. Yeah, and I would say that uh, I'll hold for your mom, which I think is the. <laughs> 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 I I I think that's more of a bit in the MCU and things. They have bits, as opposed to just kind of pure character. Yeah. Um, kind of like this isn't a funny line. It's just the this character in this situation saying this line is funny. As opposed right. to like um, literally having a bit where it's like, hey, is your refrigerator running? Well, you better catch it. Right. <laughs> yeah. And that's actually in Ryan Johnson's original uh, draft of, of the <laughs> script, by the way. <laughs> <It was. laughs> yeah, that just- is two <laughs> Albert jokes. <laughs> we just, we just. But um, yeah, you know, uh, there are. You know, obviously, the with 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 IPs as old as Star Wars, you know, when mm-hmm. something new comes out, of course, you're going to have expectations. Um, you want to be able to experience the same thing for the most part as what yep. as, as you experienced when you first saw it. Um, you know, that's kind of a lofty goal. I mean, I I I, I would dare to say that it's never going to be the same. Um, it can get close and you can still enjoy it in this, in, in, in a similar fashion, but you know, those expectations for, for movies that are kind of embedded in our DNA are, are always going to fall short for, for those reasons. And obviously nostalgia yeah. plays a big role in it. Uh, our memories, uh, are tied to these things. 
Um, but let me let me ask you this about um, about uh, you know we we have we've been talking about high expectations. What about low expectations? Are there movies out there that you have gone into the theater having no expectations and realizing, wow, that was freaking good? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, as you started the question, I was a little bit like, uh-oh, I don't know if I'll think of anything. And the couple <laughs> came came to mind right away. I mean, most recently, The Flash. Um, and I thoroughly enjoyed that movie. And I had no expectations. I, and, like, is negative expectations no expectations? Because I was like, well, this is going to be kind of crappy, but at least it'll be uh, like, I like a big Hollywood blockbuster movie. Um, Galaxy Quest was another one. I walked in to that movie thinking this is, this looks kind of lame and it was smarter and, um, smarter, more Star Trekian than I ever thought would ever be made. Hmm. So there, I do think there are, I think there's all kinds of movies that you, and I think the eighties might've been rife with them. Um, and I don't know why that is, but things like karate kid war games. Um, I mean, these are movies that are, are the first of their kind. I mean, nowadays, you know, fast and furious 22. I mean, (laughs) how many expectations, you know, how many no expectations can you have when you go into a movie like that? You know what I mean? That's that's true. Uh, The expectation for a sequel has to be higher. Sure than than what it is for the first one just because if you're going to the sequel you must have enjoyed the first one right exactly i i was thinking it'd be fun to start a show where you never see the first one you just go to the sequel (laughs) (laughs) oh my god Uh, that actually would be kind of uh horrible i think because (laughs) (laughs) with no uh absolutely no reference point or background oh my god right (laughs) <laughs> that would be funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what what is a movie that you had absolutely no expectations for and blew you away? Well, just recently, I mean, obviously, um, the the third and final Guardians of the Galaxy. I really, you know, obviously you know the characters, but what are what's the story? What are the characters gonna do? And this is one of those yeah. movies that, you know, the original movies. I was aware of the Guardians of the Galaxy characters because of the comic books. I didn't collect the comic books. I didn't know who they were. Um, I realized that I, I was like really wondering how they're going to do this talking tree and raccoon. It's going to it's going to be so yeah. weird. Um, but, you know, they pulled it off. Um, obviously, they were included in the whole Avengers, uh, you know, endgame situation. Um, but that last movie, um, not knowing a lot, and I avoided a lot of uh, trailers for it, not on purpose. I just, you know, I just didn't, it didn't hit me to, to go search for these, for this trailer. Yeah. So going into the movie, I was very, very surprised at how emotional it hit me, how great it was, how well it was written. Um, I had no idea. Um, you know, obviously, uh, after Endgame and after some of the other, uh, you know, Marvel movies, I expected... I expected more of a galactic story um, element to to this last film, yeah. and it was very yeah. personal in nature. I mean, obviously, you had the the you know the big baddie, but it was very personal in nature, which really surprised me. 
Yeah, I totally agree. It was, um, it wasn't that it was small, but personal is the perfect way of describing the personal nature of the movie was a big surprise to me. And also the fact that it was, it didn't set up anything, uh, another Marvel thing or event. Like it wasn't one stone in the five stones needed to blip right. 50% of the population. It was just a story unto itself with these characters um, that I particularly love as well. And um, and I, I find that interesting how those expectations played a role in my viewing of it, like where I was kind of tri- uh, uh, cautiously expecting a larger picture story, right. and there wasn't one. And and that was a thrill, actually, when when it kind of dawned on me, like, oh, there's no bigger story here. It was even more exciting at that moment. Sure, absolutely. And I think, you know... Um there are two movies that I have no expectations other than I'm probably going to enjoy it because of the visuals. Um, we've got Rebel Moon coming in December on Netflix. Oh, yes. And yep. the, the Creator, another science fiction um, flick by um, Rogue One director Gareth Edwards, which looks freaking amazing. And again, you know, having no expectations story wise, but. Um, having those, uh, those trailers and those clips, um, you know, th- they dropped a couple of weeks ago and, um, they, they look pretty phenomenal. I I'm looking forward to them. So, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to exist in the nerd, um, uh, stratosphere here without any expectations because, yes. you know, when you're a nerd, I think it is it, what makes you a nerd is your love of film, your love of movies and television shows and stuff like that. So you, it, it's expectations are kind of built into us. Wouldn't you agree? I absolutely agree. It is part of our DNA and uh, it, it, it goes hand in hand with the theorizing. It goes hand in hand with the celebration of things we love um, as well as the tearing down of things that we don't believe lives up to uh what we think it should live up to uh which you were talking about zach snyder's piece and i'm, I'm totally blanking on the director of rogue one now you just said his name gareth edwards I, gareth edwards all i could think of is tony gilroy um so knowing zach snyder and knowing uh gareth edwards what do you think their um, their run of films lead into your own expectations, like um, Monsters and Rogue One or Zack Snyder's Justice League. And uh, uh, I can't think of any of his films now, 300. Um, having that library of material uh, going into knowing they're directing something new, how do you think that affects your expectations? Yeah, I think it brings it up high. Um, I think, you know, certain directors have a certain style. Zack Snyder, obviously, you know, everybody makes fun of his slow-mo all over the place, you know, slow motion and stuff like that. And you saw that in Rebel Moon. Um, But, uh, you know, there are certain directors that have a certain signature feel to them. And you know, going into their, their films, what to expect. You know, James Cameron. 
John Carpenter, um, uh, you know, to, to some degree, you know, I mean, it's, it's um, Spielberg, Spielberg, obviously. Um, so yeah, there, the, you know, there are directors that have made their name, uh, you know, from their signature style, you know, we just named a, a quite a few. So uh, does that play onto my expectations and bring them high? Absolutely. Um, because, uh, you know, again, because we've enjoyed those movies, you know, in the past, we've enjoyed movies from Steven Spielberg in the past. We've enjoyed John Carpenter yeah. films in the past. So um, it is no surprise that anyone would think that they would enjoy any future movies from these directors, you know, going forward. Yeah, I I totally agree. I think it's um, it's funny because with Zack Snyder. I'm not a huge fan of Zack Snyder's, uh, but I think I've seen every one of his movies. And it's one of those things that I know um, I may not love this, but he's going to show me an interesting time and a really great visual uh, with it. Right. Um, and it's also interesting to see things like um, – Gareth Edwards, to an extent, you know, directed Godzilla, didn't he? Yes. Uh, and then wrote uh, Monsters, Godzilla, and then Rogue One. I don't know if I – I liked uh, – I, I enjoyed Godzilla. I was really impressed with Rogue One. Um, and I think Rogue One is the movie that probably will make me a – uh, Gareth Edwards fans moving forward sure. more so than maybe monsters and Godzilla. Uh, it's just interesting to me how those things can change sure. uh, in time. Like um, I, I'm, I'm blanking on, on any examples of directors who I've flipped on who, who I didn't like and then came out with a movie and I was like, Oh, I was wrong about this person. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, th there's uh, like Tim Burton, sometimes when directors make yes. some really great movies and all of a sudden they like, yeah, you know, even Spielberg had, uh, what, what is that, uh, really? that comedy he made with uh, Jim Belushi? Was that his? 1941. Yeah. So, you know, everybody, you know, says that that was kind of his flop, um, yeah. trying something new. But um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's directors that, you know, have that, that catalog that, uh, you know, Somewhere in there, there's there's a 1941 for them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're just really lucky that um, I, I guess they're just really lucky they get other chances. You know, yeah. it's I mean Spielberg's going to get another chance no matter what. Sure. Um, is there a director that has done a Star Wars movie that you'd like to see get a second go or a third go in the case of J.J. Abrams? Um, I mean, obviously Gareth Edwards, uh, I think, uh, rogue one, but you know, lately, uh, a rogue one today, um, as of August 29th is, uh, is trending. And I think a lot of people are talking about rogue one only as it pertains to making comparisons between new star Wars, which at this point is Ahsoka. Um, mm -hmm. but I, you know, I was getting into a conversation with somebody online here that, um, you know, Rogue One doesn't owe as much as people think uh, to Gareth Edwards, uh, more so to Tony Gilroy, who came in and rewrote, uh, you know, some stuff tail end. And, I, you know, yeah. see, I can see that because now we have an example of 
of Tony Gilroy uh, writing for Star Wars, which is the Andor series, which, you know, for me was phenomenal. Um, yeah. But we do have that example. But I, I wouldn't mind, um, you know, another team up between Gilroy and, and Edwards. Um, there are, and, and I think, um, you know, my favorite Star Wars out of all of them is The Empire Strikes Back. If, uh, if Irving Kirshner was alive, I'd, yeah. I'd give him another uh, opportunity because, again, you know, he was not a big sci fi guy. He was not a big uh, Star Wars fan. He dealt more with relationships. And obviously, between his directing and, um, and the writing, uh, the way the, uh, the story kind of came out, I mean, you can tell. Um, but you know, I, I'm always on the fence when it comes to, you know, do we let a star Wars fan direct a star Wars movie or do we bring in new blood? And I think an argument can be made that, uh, you know, both are, are the right decision and both are the wrong decision. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, it's really difficult to really pinpoint, you know, one way or the other. Um, you know, when you have a, a person that's a, a, a big fan, you know, they can kind of get lost in the minutia of, of, of star Wars lore. But then mm -hmm. when you, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, if you have somebody that just really does not know, um, uh, the brand, you know, can miss something, um, especially, you know, something that is as important to fans as, as the history of star Wars. Yeah, definitely. It's a, um, it's a hard line to trod because I think what they discovered with Last Jedi is you take too many chances, you're going to offend some people. And then if you don't take enough chances, you're going to offend the other people. And it's just, um, I think it's difficult to live up to everyone's expectations at once. Yes. Um and, uh, you know, I don't know what the issue was with the sequel trilogy other than the that they just really didn't plan it out well. Um, you know, the mistake, obviously, I don't want to get into a sequel trilogy discussion, but, you know, the, the they they gave every director their own thing. Like, you do a story, you do yes. a story, you do a story. Now, does it make sense? Everyone gets together? a story. Everybody, yeah, it's like, does it make sense now? Um, you know, in retrospect, uh, no. Uh, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's difficult. And I, you know, from a business aspect, I understand, uh, you know, they just spent for almost four and a half billion dollars. I'm sure the investors were like, uh, can we get some of that money back? Um, so, <laughs> so rush, 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 let's make a movie. But, um, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, how about this now? Probably have just seen Ahsoka maybe twice already. Is there anything where uh, it didn't meet your expectations, where you were kind of disappointed and you can go, oh, I was expecting this and it didn't happen or? For Ahsoka? For Ahsoka. Yeah, yeah. I, I still think those uniforms are way too clean. <laughs> you know, the, they, they just, put the new in New Republic. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, there, there's something to be said about George Lucas's used universe, used galaxy. I think I loved mm -hmm. the the look and feel of you know a dirty panel, uh, a used look, you know, a button that looked uh, you know a little worn and torn. Um, yeah. You know, it's uh, you look at uh, I think was it the first episode where you had uh, Clancy's character um, dedicating the uh, the mural and I mean yep. 
his costume looked like a, a bad fit from a Walmart cosplay rack. And it just did seem like it just didn't fit correctly. Um, so I think for me, you know, the more, uh, more mechanical stuff is what, you know, things that I notice. Um, yeah. I think, you know, obviously for Book of Boba Fett, I was very vocal. You know, Brad and I were very vocal about um, the fact that a lot of it really looked like it was shot in the volume. You know, there, these uh, mm -hmm. these shots were not wide enough. Uh, it looked like, you know, there was a lot of limitations because of it. And, you know, I, I understand there are limitations to certain aspects of the technology. Um, I don't see a lot. Or I let me rephrase that. I see less of that in Ahsoka. I think they are trying to kind of mix um, the ability to uh, to shoot uh, more practical and less volume, or at least have a good mix of the two. And obviously, you know, everybody has uh, you know um, noticed the difference of what a show like Andor looks like, uh, where yeah. no volume has was used. Um, and it's all, you know, practical sets and, and locations. Um, but, you know, I, I understand the business aspect of things. And uh, but I think, you know, for the Ahsoka show, I think um, Dave Filoni has said, you know, if if I'm going to use the volume versus location, you know, if it warrants me using that technology, I'll I'll do it. Um, and obviously he he does between him and Favreau. I mean, they've been using the volume for <clears throat> from day one. Um, yeah. but, um, you know, I think it's, it's still kind of a new technology and, and the workflow, uh, you know, from what I understand is, is completely reversed. They have to do all the special effects first and then do the actual shooting where obviously on a green screen, you can do the shooting and then all the effects Perfect. are added later. So the workflow yeah. is different. Um, you know, the, the thought process is, is different. Uh, so a lot of directors have to kind of, uh, as Yoda said, uh, uh, unlearn what they have learned. <laughs> yeah. I, um, talking about uh, Clancy Brown's uniform and the new look of uh, the New Republic and those uniforms, I realized I've been kind of wrestling with that a lot because that stood out to me very much. That oh, okay. All, all the costuming felt um not used and i realized also that a lot of it's in the jewel tones which led me to believe that they're kind of going for almost an animated look mm. of uh of um you know in the animation you get more solid colors and less kind of shadows and variations of of dirt and uh gradations um and in a way that uh, instead of kind of bringing uh, Rebels to and Ahsoka to live action, they're kind of bringing live action to the animation. Um, and I, I don't know if that's good or bad or even if it's a conscious choice. It just that's what it feels like to me. Um, and once I kind of like reconciled with that, I was able to let it go a little bit. Although I think it will still bump me because just like you were saying with the volume, it is that mixture of what does the effect need that um, that makes the best shot as opposed to this is the effect we have. Right. And I, you know, I, I think um, 
as far as the costume goes, I mean, they, they were doing it in, in the last season of, uh, of uh, Mandalorian. I think it, yeah. you know, it still struck me as, you know, these costumes are just still too, too new looking. Um, and, you know, obviously people were telling me, well, it's the new Republic. It's, you know, they're, they're, it's, it's, it's new. I'm <laughs> um, like, yeah, okay. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. It is what it is. You're going to reach for an answer. That's fine. <laughs> reaching for an answer is the other favorite pastime of nerdum <laughs> yes absolutely <laughs> we absolutely we've been uh you know for for the last week we've been talking about uh why did qui-gon have to die and sabine didn't <laughs> yes so yes. Uh, absolutely we're all uh reaching for uh or an answer that'll satisfy our own uh expectations too funny <laughs> wow wow it just became metaphysical yes that's awesome <laughs> that's uh that's how we do it here at the scare scuttlebutt podcast um dave i want to thank you so much this has been an amazing conversation uh you are welcome to uh to pick a topic any day and uh come back because this has been a lot of fun i love this this topic and this to this discussion Thank you, Ro. I, I would love to come back. I love talking to you. And I also love how you support so many other uh, shows and uh, listeners and Patreons, pa pa patrons. It's um, you, you got a great thing going and I, I admire it very much. So I really appreciate being on. I love talking to you. I appreciate that. Um, and uh, obviously, uh, you are uh, talking about not only my podcast, but the rest of the Red Five family, where uh, you can find uh, a podcast or a YouTube show that uh, will tickle your fancy here at the Red Five Network. You can check the rest of the Red Five Network at bio.link slash Red Five. Uh, Dave, uh, one last thing before you yes. leave, uh, just uh, make sure that you can tell people where people can find you and say hello there. Hello there. Yes, you can find me on uh, wherever you uh, podcast, iTunes, Amazon, Google, um, Spotify, and you can find me on Instagram and uh, Twitter or X and threads at uh, Star Wars Mean to You. That's Star Wars Mean, the number two in the letter U. Uh, so at Star Wars Mean to You. Excellent, excellent, sir. Looking forward to the next Star Wars mean to you. What does Star Wars mean to you? Uh, until next time, I do want to thank you, Dave. And I also want to thank Crystal Kyber uh, for uh, yes. participating in Sentry Mode uh, on this episode. Go check her out. She's got an awesome channel uh, on the YouTubes there. But until next time, may the force be with you, everyone. This is Ro, and that's the Scuttlebutt. Okay, folks, thanks for listening to episode 167. Dave from What Does Star Wars Mean to You is always a gracious guest. What did you think of the topic? Do you agree that fan expectations can be harmful? Or is it our responsibility to temper those expectations and maybe scale them back a bit? Weigh in on the discussion. We've got a phone line dedicated to you. Leave us a voicemail at 773-234-8659 and give us your thoughts, your hot takes, topic suggestions, or just call and say hello there. Don't miss next week as I drop my interview with filmmaker Kai Patterson. And we talk about the Patterson cut of the Kenobi series. Don't know what that is? Look it up. Download and watch. What's your take on his work? 
making a two-and-a-half-hour movie of sorts from the Kenobi series, recut, re-edited, and we'll be asking him all sorts of questions about that, plus a special giveaway not available in the YouTube version of our interview, so listen closely. Until next time, this is your friendly neighborhood, Ro, and that's the Scuttlebutt. listener just a reminder that the podcast you just heard is a proud member of the red five network family red five network.com offers you a great variety of shows you'll be sure to love so the next time you're itching for quality content make sure you head over to red five network.com you'll find this podcast along with a whole lot more all wings report in it's the red five network <laughs>